0: Welcome to UnLawyerly, where we talk about life, the pursuit of happiness, and some law. This is Ramin. It's time to get UnLawyerly. So we're going to do a short primer on small business taxes. And specifically, this is going to be related to those individuals who are considered sole proprietors or single-member LLCs without any election, which is pretty much the same thing as a sole proprietor. Now, one of the first things to discuss is whether or not there is a need for an EIN, an Employee Identification Number. And the thing about EINs is you may or may not need it. Are you going to set up a an LLC or an entity? Uh, in this case, a single member LLC. And we have had another discussion on you know whether setting up an LLT LLC helps from a tax standpoint. And of course, it goes without saying the general disclaimer that we're not giving any tax advice or legal advice. And any questions you have should be vetted through your own CPA, your own tax lawyer, your own accountant. But As far as an EIN is concerned, if you do have an LLC, a limited liability company, set up, you will get an EIN through the IRS. But if you don't have an employee identification number, you may get what is a tax identification number, which is really used in place of your social security number. It's just a way to prevent someone having your social security number. But in any case, a single-member LLC or a sole proprietor is going to do the tax filing through the individual income tax return, in other words the 1040. Now this is different from let's say if you had a S corporation, you have a partnership or you have a uh, corporation there's going to be a separate tax filing. Because one of the things that I get from people who ask me are will I be doing a separate tax filing for a single member sole proprietor? And The answer is no. It's all going to be a part of your individual income tax return through the Schedule C, which is a separate page in the filing, and it has the related information about your income and expenses. So before you go into filing a tax return, one of the things that is important to be aware of is A Schedule C filer, the average taxpayer who's doing a Schedule C filing, uh, whether single member or uh, sole proprietor, they're going to be what is called a cash basis taxpayer, which is different from an accrual basis taxpayer. A cash basis taxpayer, very simple, money comes in the door. You'll generally recognize it as income. Money goes out the door for ordinary and reasonable expenses related to your business is money out the door and expense. Of course, there are rules for uh, expensing items. And for the average taxpayer as well, the, the calendar year is going to be from January 1st until December 31st. So it is a calendar year taxpayer. So basically, what that means is any money that comes in during the year for your sole proprietor or your Schedule C, that money is going to be part of the revenue stream, part of your income stream. Now, if you had a situation where, you know, let's say you worked and uh, it's December 31st, you didn't receive that income. Let's say you're supposed to get thousand dollars from a particular job that you did. Question. Do you recognize that $1,000 as part of your income stream for that, let's say, X1 year tax year? The answer is no, you would not. The reason being is that you didn't necessarily receive the money until, let's say, January 1st of year X2. So that money did not come as part of that particular tax year. Now the thing with accrual, accrual tries to match the expenses related to the revenue. And for the average small business owner, it's a lot of work to be able to do accrual accounting. And it requires a certain level of expertise. But with a cash basis, it's made to be easier for the taxpayer in terms of recognizing. So at the very forefront, one of the things that I often uh, advise people is when you're thinking about a small business, you need also think about how are you going to keep track of your related uh, revenue uh, and expenses. And I've seen a spectrum of it. I've seen people who Create a spreadsheet, and they have uh, the revenue and the related expenses. To other people who do a little bit more sophisticated through various uh, accounting software platforms that are over there. Now, the whole old adage of you know putting receipts in a shoebox. I don't know if people still do that. Uh, I don't necessarily uh, work uh, in that type of manner. What I usually uh, advise, uh, especially particularly to clients, is to make sure that. Very early on, they're keeping track of their related revenue and expenses. And when they ask for suggestions, I ultimately tell them it depends on how sophisticated you want to get. If ultimately you do see the business as uh, something that's going to be long-term for you, it would make sense to put in a little bit of the time and effort to learn as much as you can during your first year for uh, the accounting side of it. And if that means that you invest a little bit more time, effort, and money into a particular software and establish your chart of accounts early on, it's likely going to help you down the road. And so that's one thing you can do. The other thing is, you know, maybe you don't need to get that sophisticated. Maybe you just need to keep track of your, you know, related revenues and expenses through some type of very basic spreadsheet. The one thing though that I will say is whether or not you should create a separate bank account, get a separate credit card. I think it would be prudent to do so. And the reason for that is that it will allow you to keep track of your business items separate from the personal. And the other thing also with having a limited liability company, uh, is, you know, you want to create a division between the business side and your personal assets. You don't want to necessarily seem like the, uh, Money from the LLC is uh, ultimately, you know, commingled with your personal assets. Now, of course, with a single-member LLC, it's passed through, flow through, and so everything at the end of it—revenues, money, expenses—will flow through on the personal side. But I think it is uh, prudent to have a separate bank account and separate credit card for your business so that this way, easier to manage, easier to keep track of at the year end. And that's one of the things that the IRS will inquire about is whether or not you had a separate bank account or if you're using the same bank account, same credit card, what is the way that you're able to manage your, your books and records. So. I do, I typically recommend. But I do understand that not everybody uh, early on, especially, um, will have a separate bank account or a separate, uh, you know, books and records as it relates to credit cards, etc. Uh, but it does make things easier down the road. So now that you uh, have some of these things related to, you know, the revenue and expense side, um, you know, how does ultimately the taxes work? Well, as I had alluded earlier, the tax side of it is it's it's fairly straightforward and of course there are various nuances let's say for example uh related to the home office deduction uh or related to you know creating self-employed retirement account and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit too or health insurance but for the most part it's the amount of money that comes in minus the related expenses and the net amount is going to be your net profit now what happens with that net profit Two things really. One, that net profit is going to be subject to self-employed taxes. Self-employed taxes are uh, the taxes that if you are a W-2 employee, your employer is going to pay half of the Social Security and Medicare, um, and also the unemployment uh, insurance portion of it. As a single member LLC, sole proprietor, you don't have to worry about the uh, unemployment side of uh, tax of it but then the other half of it's paid by the employee. So when you get your W-2 or when you get your paycheck, you'll see that there's amounts taken out for Social Security, for Medicare, and then for federal withholdings. Um, And then on the employee side, you'll notice that there's also similar amounts taken out. Well, as a uh, single member or sole proprietor, what happens is you're pretty much paying the employer and employee portion of it and then that net profit also flows in through your ordinary income taxes so you know your ordinary income taxes let's say for example you're in the 20th percentile of the 20th bracket uh for tax bracket you'll also have your ordinary income taxes go through that now is that double taxation IRS won't think so. Iris looks at it that you're paying just two different types of taxes. You're paying the self-employment taxes for having a self-employed business, and then you'll also have the ordinary income taxes that you pay. Now, the thing is that there is an adjustment that is made, and that adjustment is called an above-the-line adjustment. And that above-the-line adjustment will give you the half of the self-employed taxes to ultimately reduce your uh, adjusted gross income. So in a way, it it helps to uh, reduce that amount. And then the... Um other part of it, which came from the Tax Cut Jobs Act, is the QBI, Qualified uh, Business Deduction, Income Deduction. And that will allow you to deduct up to 20% of uh, your related uh, net earnings, net profits. Uh, but there are certain exceptions, depending on certain professions, uh, where after a certain income t- threshold, that that amount will Get reduced, but that was something that was negotiated from Tax Cut Jobs Act, which did help the small business owner uh, for the most part, which was nice uh, to see because it was something that was needed, especially when corporations were, were getting uh, you know more of a, a flat tax rate at that point in time. But you you pay those certain taxes related to the self-employed portion of it. And then what you'll notice is once you have that Schedule C uh, created, the net profits of it will show up on your 1040, which is the face of your personal tax return. And then you'll have a separate Schedule SE for the self-employment tax uh, portion of it, and then one related to to the QBI. Now, one of the other things that you need to take into account is if you are looking to start a small business, you're looking to be self-employed, you should take advantage of certain tax laws out there as it relates to, for example, if you are paying uh, insurance, self-employed health insurance. uh, That is... uh, able, that's a uh, deduction that is uh, able to be uh, used. And, you know, the way that it works, it, it's really, you're paying for insurance, through private uh, insurance. If you are getting the, the premium tax credit from the, the marketplace, there are uh, other rules related to it. But so for a self-employed health insurance, uh, you can use that as a deduction. And it, look, insurance is not cheap. Especially from uh, health insurance, so it is a nice way to be able to deduct that. Of course, business insurance also is another type of insurance that people get, but that is for you know things related to errors or omissions related to general uh, business liability, umbrella policy, etc. Another thing to take into account is the ability to create you know, a self-employed IRA or a solo 401k or a self-employed uh, type plan. And there are various types that are out there, but typically when I you know, see people who are starting their own businesses, and I do understand the hesitation, especially in the first year, to create some of these retirement plans where um, you're not sure how the business is going to do, but one thing I will typically say is it, it does help to create a self-employed type retirement plan, a, a you know, pension profit sharing type plan, depending on uh, the nature of your business and the ability for it to be um, uh, done so. And the reason for that is, one, it allows you to take uh, a deduction, and also it will Allow you to save for uh, retirement, so that of course in itself is is an easy way to start building for you know retirement whenever that may be, and also be able to use some of your money. Now, one of the questions I often get related to uh, the self-employed or small businesses is, Ramin, you know, can I go ahead and take that money and instead of it being passed on to my bank account, can I just go ahead and continue to invest it? And the answer is no, not with a you know self-employed type business, single member or sole proprietor. Whatever amount of money you make is going to be taxed. So let's say for example, you had a hundred dollars that came in, you had expenses of twenty dollars. What happens from that? Well, you have a net profit of $80. And that $80, regardless if it stays in the business bank account or goes through your account, it's going to be considered taxable. And you're going to be taxed on it. Uh, another question that I get is, well, you know, can I give myself a salary from that? For a single member or sole proprietor, there is no giving yourself a salary. Whatever amount of money comes in is the amount of money that you're going to be taxed on ultimately. Now, could you have... Other, uh, for example, independent contractors or employees of a single member LLC. Certainly, yes. And for, you know, the self employed, for the independent contractors, you'll issue a 1099 NEC non employee compensation and you'll be able to take a deduction on that. Or for W 2 wages for employees, you'll be able to, you know, uh, give them that and that'll be deducted. And of course, there is a distinction between who independent contractors are, and who employees are. And I'll, I'll tell you this, there was one uh, company uh, that um, I, I was hired to uh, work on their, their taxes, and one of the things that I noticed was uh, some of the uh, independent contracts really should have been treated as employees. And, you know, I, I told them about the distinctions between the two and the reason why you'd want to make sure that you get those distinctions right because ultimately for somebody who is an employee, uh, of course there are employment laws that that goes into both of these, but, you know, you are responsible for the employer portion of the Social Security, Medicare, and the unemployment tax. So that is something important to, to take into account. And then really, you know, once you have... Uh, started your your business, got the EIN or TIN, started keeping track of your revenues and the related expenses. And, you know, as business is progressing, you want to make sure you get those in order. One thing that I often will uh, tell clients is when it comes down to, you know, close to, December time frame, just make sure you get your ducks in a row for beginning of tax season. And the reason for that is tax season, it's already a busy time period, but you want to make sure that you're being proactive rather than reactive when it comes to taxes so that you're uh, already prepared. So if you don't already have a preparer ready or somebody that helps with taxes, earlier on uh, the better. It's good to interview a couple, see what they can help you with, see if they understand your business and see ultimately if it's a good fit because you know at the end of the day it's a relationship in what i uh, with with clients that i have i always tell them it's a relationship that extends beyond taxes and it's not necessarily here are my numbers crunch out the return and that's the end of it it's an ongoing relationship because you know as life happens there's typically a tax implication i i always say that and so you want to make sure you maintain a relationship with someone who Able to help you navigate through uh, the changes that your business is going to experience, and you know the growth that it might have, or even it may contract, and you want to be able to find ways to to help it in that regard uh, from a tax standpoint. So earlier the better to prepare for tax season is important but really look when it comes to small businesses i've always been a fan of working with entrepreneurs working with with startups because at the end of the day from the business side of it it's fascinating it's seeing something that you've created, seeing something that grows uh hopefully into something that's prosperous and there are certain administrative things that needs to be done i.e the tax side of it the accounting side of it And those are just, you know, the things that just comes along with having your own business. But it's not something to dread. It's not something to prevent you from starting your own business. I think it's just a matter of finding the right person to work with who can help you through that side of it. Because I do understand not a lot of people like to handle the accounting and tax side of it. Uh, But, you know, from a single member, sole proprietor, it is fairly straightforward. But then going I I say that because I've been doing it for such a long time. Uh but uh I think it's something doable and I think I, I always have admiration for those people who are willing to take a risk and to start their you know own businesses, uh even if it's something that's a side hustle or a side business, because look, you never know where it's gonna grow. Anyway, hopefully this has been informative. Uh, again, this was just a very short primer on Single member, sole proprietor LLCs, and how the tax side of it works. Talk next time. As always, I appreciate you and thank you for listening to Unlawyerly. My name is Rameen Mohammed. You can catch me on Instagram at Unlawyerly with Rameen, unlawyerly.com on our website. Of course, please feel free to subscribe to our YouTube. That's it for today. My name is Rameen again, and it's been Unlawyerly. Thank you.